0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Drinks with Dan. I'm your host Dan and with me I have my friend Matthew Bukovic calling in from Penn State. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing well Dan. It's a bright sunny
1: day here in State College. I'm calling actually uh, live from our stadium here, Medler Field at Lebrano Park, uh, home of the single-A short season State College Spikes. So we have a game tonight and I was able to get away for a little while and chat with you and chat about some different topics.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining me once again. We should just rename this thing to Drinks with Dan and Matt or something.
1: <laughs>
0: so as often you hear, which I am totally okay with, by the way. So we, you're we, more than welcome They're like here.
1: specials. They're like Christmas specials. Okay. You can't have Christmas every day, you know, but it, you have to have a Christmas special every once in a while.
0: All right. I'm, I'm okay with that. So um, so thank you for joining me. What are you doing at the uh, stadium today? Baseball, I'm assuming? Uh, baseball,
1: yes. Uh, we're, we're playing baseball today. Uh, my job is I am the director of analytics here. So my main job, if you've ever seen the movie Moneyball, I track all of the movements of the baseball, the bat, the pitching motions of the different players, and then compile that into spreadsheets and different um, data points for our different coaches in the minor league system. So my main job is to make sure that all the information gets tracked. And I also handle all of our social media. So if you watch our State College Spike Snapchat, uh, my interns handle all that and are on the field filming that throughout the game.
0: So this is part of your baseball analytics that you talked about on our first podcast together, correct?
1: This is correct. Yep. This is my summer job, and uh, now I'm uh, knee-deep into the data collection process. And in the fall and the winter, uh, most of the time I spend analyzing all that data and providing recommendations to either different teams, different players, or different coaches, depending on what um, I'm being asked.
0: Very cool. I mean, it's a beautiful day here, so I can only imagine how it is up there in the mountain area. So
1: Any any chance you get sun out here in Happy Valley, it's a good day because... we tend to average more rain than Seattle. It's, believe it or not, uh, we average about 25 inches of rain a year. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy to have some
0: sun out here today. I mean, it's been raining here for the last, oh God, I don't know, a week or so, but it's finally been clearing up here. But uh, you know where it's been raining that has been really helpful is uh, in Griswold. If you want to talk real quick, you and I both grew up in Griswold, for those that don't know, there's the bet one, all right, one of two things about griswold is one charlene's diner and two buttonwood ice cream absolutely and those are the only two things besides the heroin that we're known for
1: and you know what if you're having a good if you're having a good day you can get charlene's breakfast in the morning and Buttonwood ice cream in the afternoon evening and uh make it make, make a good local day out of it
0: and trust me i've done that many times i put on pounds doing that but with <laughs> so um I just wanted to bring up real quick that they're doing the sunflowers for wishes, which they've been doing since we were in grade school. I want to say,
1: I mean, I remember Dwayne button. Uh, we were, he was classmates of ours um, going all the way back to middle school. And uh, it was pretty cool to watch Buttonwood farms grow and, and the amount of money they've been able to donate and how that event has turned into a pretty cool Pretty cool event for the community. Not only do they have the ice cream for the Make a Wish, but also hay rides for the kids, um, different sunflowers that you can buy and purchase. So it's just a really nice. Anytime you see those kind of things in the community, especially from our town, it has its ups and downs. There's always challenges that any town will face, but it's been it's been really cool to see that grow and evolve over the years.
0: It sure has. Like uh, for those who though who don't know, Buttonwoods is the ice cream stand that we're talking about, and every year they have uh, acres and acres, uh, um, probably dozens of acres worth of sunflowers that they grow. And then they donate 100% of the proceeds to Make-A-Wish Foundation. In the last, I want to say, oh, God, five, eight years, they've managed to make over $100,000 in one weekend a year. Um, with that being said, it's coming up pretty soon, July 20 to the 28th. They have special flavors of ice cream. They have, like, sunflower ice cream, which is, like, salty. And sunflower, obviously, it's really good. And then, as Matt said, they have hay rides and... Um, i forget what else they do there um but they have like live music and i want to say the entire eastern connecticut probably rhode island massachusetts uh come down uh, to make a wish foundation donate and you know give kids some wishes absolutely and if you're looking for like i mean if you know your family at home you're looking for something to do
1: it's a great little stop take the kids out take your significant other out take whatever out you know you want to and uh go out and visit the place uh, make a donation and uh, help support a really good cause yeah, I was
0: just looking online right now, uh, five sunflowers get you, a, a, or will cost you 10 bucks, and 100% of that 10 bucks goes to the Connecticut Make-A-Wish Foundation. I've done it for the last number of years that I've been there, um, and if I'm not, I send my mom to go do it for me. So, um, it's a highly anticipated event, it brings a lot of money, and it's very pretty. And then afterwards, I don't know, did you know this, Matt, after they let all like they sell all the sunflowers they have like the stalks left over they release the cows i want to say the weekend after and the cows go in and destroy the fields eating up all the the um they call it the running of the cows <laughs> That I
1: did, I did not know that
0: yeah so my cousin told me about it cause she loves cows or whatever um so they release the cows into the fields and they just go to town for the weekend picking out on the the stalks of the the sunflowers
1: that sounds, it sounds so, like a pretty cool,
0: pretty cool, pretty cool thing to say. So I feel like we're uh, we should be getting money from them do, doing this little promo. I got to talk to Dwayne about this
1: now, Dan. It's for charity. Let's not get greedy. <laughs> oh,
0: all right. It's it's a 501c. I'll let it happen. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, um, that's happening now next month. But something else coming up this week, I wanted to touch base about the uh, Democratic. Um, pro- Was it the? I guess it's the first. I guess not primary, but it's the. Uh, town hall if you want to say well, i believe i believe it's the first presidential candidate debate is what they're calling it but it's not a debate it's debates plural because they have two days of it because there's so many stupid candidates
1: <laughs> there's, so
0: there's there's an interesting group let's just say that yeah, eclectic eclectic
1: yeah, I, I think that's an excellent word to describe that very good
0: so um i wanted to talk about because you and i are both college graduates you work at a college i'm still going to college again um so you know a lot of the selling points is this free tuition for college graduates and i wanted your two cents on it of you know should we just wipe off all of the uh tuition money that's in debt and call it a day or you know how do we go through with this well i'll
1: start with this it's just it's not gonna happen free tuition for college isn't gonna happen so that's that's not going to happen for a multitude of reasons um it's not an economically feasible plan. And as a person who works in education, who understands, I mean, the, my university—it's a six billion dollar uh, university. It costs six billion dollars to run this place, but it's a nonprofit in a sense like it's not making any money. It's reinvesting that money into the university, into education, into facilities, into faculty that do a lot of, you know, a lot of great things. The argument is that all education should be free for individuals in college. Um, I've got a lot of problems with that. You know, first of all. just take that take a step back and look at it from a basic standpoint not everybody needs to or should go to college um not everybody should get a college degree and that's not an intelligence thing that is like let me like i there are i'll give you a perfect example you look at new vehicles from let's just say bmw or mercedes being able to work on those vehicles needs a ton of education a ton of training that is from a trade background not a collegiate academic background one is not better than the other. Both require a high level of intelligence. Both require a high level of work ethic. Both are paid very adequately because they're both difficult jobs. So, you know, this program of free education for everybody is not going to benefit everybody because not everybody needs to be pursuing a college degree. I know people that have great military careers. One of my best – our best friend has a great military career. You know, people that have gone through the military, that have gone through that program, that have not gone to college, that have had a great military career working for the government, you know, it's just – It doesn't seem like a feasible plan just from a broad standpoint that not everybody is cut out for or should be going to college to pursue their ambitions. So Um, you're not
0: even looking at the economic standpoint. You're just looking at the logistical standpoint. Like we need carpenters, we need plumbers, we need electricians. You don't need a four-year degree for that. Okay.
1: Correct. And it's not to say now, and I want to be very clear about this. That is not to say that those trade jobs are not as challenging to learn or don't take the same amount of intelligence. Is just their learning environment to learn those trained jobs are more hands-on experience and more apprenticeship experience, whereas some collegiate education stuff where you're working a nine-to-five office job requires more classroom training experience. So one is not better than the other, nor is one you know seen as you know less superior,
0: inferior. Sure, yeah,
1: exactly. Um, The second part, the second problem with this is okay, fine. You are going to offer free education, free tuition to all students. How are you going to pay then? the faculty, the staff, all the, there are at any given time 3,400 employees on my campus at any given day. And that's, and that's a low estimate. That's not including all the um, adjunct employees, not including all the supplemental employees. So where is their salary going to come from? Because a lot of their salary comes from the tuition dollars that are invested by the students. Where is that money going to come from? Because the amount of colleges in the university, let's just, let's just say the division one level in Schools right now, there's 298 Division One schools. Um, that's not how many colleges there are. There are thousands of colleges. Sure.
0: So just you know, universities. Go, yeah.
1: You know, if you go the free education route, who's to say that how how are these bills gonna get paid? The second problem you're gonna run into is okay. So the government knows that. So that's the first inferred. Who's gonna pay these bills? So what'll happen is the government will come in and they'll say, okay, here are the schools you can go to for free that the government will pay for, and. You work for the government, Dan, not to knock on you, but you know government salaries are traditionally low. So you're going to have these schools put in place that will have low salaries that will not attract the best individuals and will not have the best educational faculty there in place on that. What's going to happen? You're going to have these private educational places will come around and say, hey, we're not affiliated with the government. You have to pay to go here. But here's why you should pay. We have X, Y and Z faculty. We have these facilities. We have these sports. We have these opportunities. We have these internship programs. We've had our alumni do this, this and this. It's just it's not a feasible plan because it takes too much overhaul. It's not going to work. Um, and, and I understand the point. What I think they should do is there is a way to reduce the cost of education. There's plenty of ways to go about that. I think if I was a Democratic candidate, it is not about giving free education. It is about finding economically affordable ways for those of all economic backgrounds to afford an education at a high level. And there are multiple ways to do that. They're just not pushed by the government and they're not supported by the government and they're not publicized by the government. That's the route I would go to if I
0: was in this particular situation. Yeah, I mean so I'm the thing that comes on top of my head right there is the cost of a college textbook is just astronomically expensive. Correct. I mean, you're talking thousand of do- like a thousand dollars for a textbook. You got four classes, four grand out of pocket, and you haven't even cracked the book. Well, that's just to actually, own. Well, it.
1: that's a little high. I mean, but it's about a thousand. You're right. you It's about a thousand dollars a semester a student spends on textbooks. So it's it's it is it is a I mean, high. Maybe mine's more
0: because I have lab fees and all that crap too. Correct. So maybe that's where I'm thinking of. But um, so you have all these textbooks, and then you have to buy the online course to go with it on top right. of the actual course so you have to do so just to submit your homework is another hundred dollars mm-hmm.
1: um, yep you're right these matlab fees it, it, it's pricey
0: it is so like i think there is money there that doesn't need to be there like i think i saw something like college tuition has gone up four thousand percent in the last 30 years well like why I,
1: i'll tell you why now i will tell you why it is because of president obama all right okay now The reason why college tuition has increased is because President Obama's platform back in 2008 and pushing forward was that he wanted to make it affordable. And uh, excuse me, I apologize. It's the wrong word. He wanted to make people have access or give people access to the means to get educated, which in theory was a good idea. How did he go about that? He made it extremely easy for students to take out large amounts of loans. Right. Right.
0: So the colleges took advantage of that.
1: Correct. So what should have happened was there was a mistake that was made. What should have happened was President Obama should have. I agreed with him 100 percent. Make it easy for those individuals to take out loans. But the colleges then, if you are receiving governmental funding and most universities have some capacity of receiving governmental funds, at least the big ones, the ones that are powerful, the ones that are expensive, have some connection to the government in some way. You know, yes, there are private institutions, but a lot of them do have a governmental connection. The government should have stepped in and said, "Okay, here's. Keep, we're freezing tuition raises. You cannot raise tuition at that high level. What happened was Obama made it easy for you to get access to money. What do the colleges do? They raise tuition because they knew you had the easy access to the money. I mean, it's very simple. I'm going to raise, I'm going to charge $28 for this because I know for a fact you can get $28. If you can't get $28, simple economics says I've got to lower my price. But if I'm a college, why would I lower the cost of tuition when I have? a high flux of applicants coming in when everybody's paying their bills and everybody has access to that money. So each year they kept raising it higher and higher and higher because in the last eight years of the Obama administration, it was easy to get access to funds. And not only that, I want to
0: just add in, that the interest rate on these things has been going up as well because there's no, I guess there is now a cap on interest rates, but you know, it all depends on how much money you take out, where you're, you're taking out loans that it's going to take you 30 years to pay off.
1: Correct. And I feel sorry for a lot of individuals, and a lot of my research is done in fields that you have these workers that are between the ages of 21 and 26. We kind of call these recreational hospitality fields, fields that traditionally you have to start out at a lower level position, and you don't make as much money. And it takes a little while to work your way up to management. And you have these dynamic individuals that are working in these fields that have received these degrees that are having trouble paying off their student loan debt. Now, you can put some ownership on, you know, is it the student's fault? Is it the parent's fault? Is it the government's fault? It doesn't matter. It was a recognized problem that needed to be addressed. And the step they missed was the government should have stepped in. And, you know, say what you want about your governmental opinions. You know, oh, you know, you can't tell the government to do this. You can't. They should stay out of my backyard. You know, whatever rules and regulations you have put in place. The problem was that the government stepped in and lowered the and and put caps on tuition dollars. You may have had a little bit more success at curbing students opportunities from taking out high amounts of loans or at least keeping it at a lower level. Um, so that's kind of the trouble we ran, we ran into at the beginning. What you're seeing now, though, is they've they've corrected the problem. Colleges have seen their air their ways. And we're now in an area where we're seeing non-traditional learning environments. Dan, do you, do you take any online classes?
0: I had two this last semester. Yep.
1: perfect. So and, um, I'm, and I've, of course, you're still working full time at the hospital, right?
0: I actually left there to go to school full time, but I mean, I can work if I wanted to. I just choose okay, not to. All
1: right, so so okay, so you're working full time school, but you could you could get a job if you wanted to and, and make some money, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I left there just to go to school, but I, looking back, I could have stayed there. You know? So
1: colleges have now, and this is why, you know, I, I mean, I feel like I was so negative about my, you know, I love, I mean, I love my job. I love where I work. I love my college. And I felt like I was so negative at the beginning. So here's where you're seeing a little bit of the adjustment. It's just we're not there yet. Colleges are now coming back with these alternative learning opportunities. So online degrees, online campus, um, reduced summer tuition, halftime students. Uh, more Weekend programs. Students. Sure. yep, Correct. We've now seen more um, students being pushed into toward, uh, towards work study programs. Our work study numbers are increasing. So that's you know, and this is this is a nationwide thing. This isn't just at like, you know, where I'm at. This is a nationwide thing. So, you know, with the you know, the free education thing, it's not going to happen. Why don't you if I was a Democrat, why don't you piggyback on some of these amazing opportunities that are already occurring and make not free, but. Financially affordable. Yeah, you, know, you want you want a good campaign slogan. I want financially affordable education for all individuals that choose to take advantage of that education here in America. That's that. I mean, if I'm on the podium, that's what I'm saying.
0: So, it, so let me just clarify this just a little bit. So, you're thinking like a um, an income based sliding scale for college. Is that like the best way to go about this? Well, they,
1: they do have that with financial aid. So that that's already that's already in place. What I'm saying, Dan, is not so much an income-based sliding scale. What I'm saying is taking one's income, I guess I would say providing an educational opportunity based on one's income, not so much like you only pay. So I don't want to say like, okay, you only make this this way, you only pay this. What I'm saying is, okay, you only make this, you only have this amount of income. Here's how you can get access to education that's quality. You, you make this, here's how you can get access to education. Giving everybody, regardless of income, an opportunity to get access to education at their own time frame.
0: Okay. Yeah. So like for my, my whole two cents about this is I don't agree with giving everybody free education, not because Mm -hmm. people don't deserve it, but because there are people, I guess I'm going to toot my own horn here. Like I joined the military because I knew that if I joined the military, I was going to get free college education. Is that ethically right? That's to be debated um however that's how it is and that's how it's been for the last I don't think
1: it's debated dan i, I don't know that's an ethical problem that's one of those selling points of the recruitment videos i think you're right fine.
0: but is it correct like you have to go risk your life to go get free education is that how it should be i don't know you know like that's a, you know uh, i
1: i can understand your philosophical point on that
0: however that's what i did and i did that for yeah you have to do a minimum of four year or three years technically to get the gi bill you get the gi bill you get out and you get Um, The highest amount of money for any state for the state school that you're in. So like Pennsylvania, I get whatever the public school is, is what my tuition will be. If I want to go to a private school, that's more. I have to pay the difference. Correct. Correct. So that's pretty much how it works. I mean, there are some exceptions, but. That's basically how it works. So you know you have all of these. You know the U.S. military is what 1.3 million people that are that are in. So you're, they're getting 1.3 million people with college education potentially at the end if they want to. If they don't do 20 years and retire and be done with it for life, you know. So my whole thing is, you take away that incentive. Why? Why are people going to join the military? Like, yeah, there are people that will do it to be a volunteer to do it, but. You know, you, you know, after you do your time that you're going to get the benefit and now you have no incentive to do it. And for that reason, I'm out. I think, I think the problem you have to, you hit the nail on
1: the head. You're going to have all these, we'll call them secondary markets drop off. The edu- you say what you want. Education's a business. It's nonprofit business, but that it's still a business. You know, the red cross is a business, not nonprofit business, but it's a business. Sure. And you're going to have all these, a thing like that. Okay. More free education, less enrollment in the military. Military numbers will start to drop off here. You know you're going to have all these secondary issues occur because, um, you know, we're not going to see uh, we're going to see these educational opportunities that would that would be given to people that would normally choose an alternative opportunity or an opportunity that would give them education for free um, because it's being paid by someone else. You know your 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 other issue that you kind of have that that plays out a little bit of um, you know economics here is you're also going to see if you offer free education. You're going to see a big problem with what's the incentive in high school. And what I mean by that is if everybody's getting free education, why should I try hard in high school? Like I'm, somebody's going to pay free college for me. Like I can get in any school. So what you'll see happening is college programs will start raising their standards so high for students because the pool
0: of applicants is extremely high.
1: So that's, you know, that becomes a problem.
0: So I guess that kind of, uh, I guess from there it's like a downhill spiral because then the high schools and middle schools are going to have to perform higher to get more people into these colleges that are now like I'm, let's throw UConn out there. Not a great college, not a terrible college by any means, but it it, it could be difficult to get into for some people. Right. So you have now you're you're making the pool so much bigger. You have to stand out even further to get into absolutely. Just a a mediocre to well school like UConn. And we're not even talking Princeton, Yale. We're talking like state school. Exactly. And that's so, so you just, you know, the African pool is also determined based
1: on, you know, somebody who, somebody who might be a C student might benefit from working a part-time job for four to five years or a full-time job for four to five years, understanding how the world works, understanding blue collar work, understanding white collar work, and then understanding, you know what, now I'm ready to further my education because I tried harder. I've improved my work ethic, you know, but someone at 18 who was a C or D student who goes, I'm getting free education. Might as well go to college.
0: Yeah. And that, that's the issue. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about myself for a second. I was a C student in high school. Cause I just didn't care. Like I, looking back, that was my biggest mistake in life. I just didn't care. I was like, homework. and, and
1: Dan, and whatever. Dan, what was the reason why you care more about your life? Cause I've seen how you put your life together. What is the reason why you're much more mature and have cared about your life now?
0: I spent six years in the military getting my ass kicked. You Correct. know, like, so, so, so that was the best was, thing for me. Like I, I straightened now, out my life. It bought me time, I'm, you know, it, it bought me, question. it bought me six years that I didn't have to think about that where I was like, you know, what? after I get out, I can figure out what I want to do with my life. And then from there I got my shit together.
1: Correct. And also Dan, let me ask you this question here. If you were 18 and you had a full scholarship to go to college for free at a semi-decent school, do you think you would have joined the military?
0: hundred percent no. If you told me I had a full ride to go at the time I want to be a music teacher, you told me I had a full ride to go to Yukon to go be a music teacher, would have never saw me ever again. You know, I would have never exactly. joined the military. I would have never been to Florida. Never met my future wife. You know, all of that would have been nil. Because well, I mean, I'm just saying. But again, I'm I'm saying take the take the secondary stuff. Like you know, yes, that's all good. far is good. Yes,
1: all that's great right now. What I'm what I'm saying to you though is is be if you weren't given that free education opportunity, what you did was you took a route that improved your life. I'm not necessarily thinking that a CG student, what's going to change going to college? Why is your work ethic all of a sudden just going to get better? Like, what did you learn? Like, you're, you're taking classes in a different room. So, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in favor of it. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is, I mean, I also got to put a little bit, just, you know, one, one more point that I'll make here. When you're paying for something, you know, chances are you care about a little bit more. Um,
0: free buffets,
1: they're okay. But I'll tell you right now, when I pay forty nine ninety nine at a seafood buffet, I'm, I'm taking that all you can eat as a personal challenge.
0: Yeah, no, you're not, you're not wrong. You know, you, you go in knowing that the quality is going to be terrible if you're paying a dollar for, you know, a buffet. However, you right. you go and play $50 for a steak, you're going to expect a really good steak. Absolutely. Um, and I think like the, co- the quality of our education is dependent upon that as well. I mean, you know, so yeah, this might help schools like three rivers or whatever, like the community technical schools that will help bring in people. Um, however, I don't know if the quality is going to improve because of this.
1: Now I'll, I will, I will say one for education thing I would say now I believe community colleges. Now I don't know this hundred percent. So I'm going to apologize if this is wrong, but I believe colleges have some subsidizing from the community like i believe like let's just say norwich for example three rivers i believe the city of norwich pays money to three rivers to keep that functioning in the area am, am i wrong
0: i think and i think there's actually a law that says like your first two years might be paid for in some states i don't i think connecticut okay. might be one of them where you, your associate's degree could be paid for by the state and that's it the buck stops so, there so
1: why not so why not then – why not look to these colleges that are – these community colleges that are good institutions in your local area? Why not look at subsidizing the education for those – okay, let's just use an example. You have to be a resident of New London County, and the federal government will pay for you to go to Three Rivers. You know, smaller bill, educational opportunity gives you a chance – but if you want something at a higher level, if you want a military opportunity, if you want, you know, an associate's degree is good, but you do need nowadays a higher education to take other jobs. So, you know, why not go the community college route and say, OK, we're going to pay for you to go to. And there's nothing wrong with going. Believe me, there is nothing wrong. I, I have kids that have been here, you know, four years at a four year institution, two years at community colleges, two years at branch campuses. I'll tell you something that I've learned. This is an emphatic truth over year after year. I, this has proven to me every single year. If a kid or a person or a parent or a child or an adult wants to learn they will find a way to learn. It's regardless of where you're at, if they want a learning opportunity, they will find a way to learn. So why not then invest in the local communities, invest in small areas, invest in the community colleges, which will not cost you as much as the big universities because the bills aren't as high and provide educational opportunities for people that you know may not have the economic funds to do it or that might want to save money, go to community college for two years and then transfer to a bigger school.
0: You know, and I, I 100% agree with you with this. And I also want to add that with the community college, you don't have to get, you can get a technical degree. You can become a carpenter or an electrician, a plumber, whatever. Or you can continue on and get your English degree, your uh, doctorate if you wanted, and, you know, go be an MD after. Like, you need the basic classes anyway. So you might as well get them at the community college, get your foot in the door, and then move on from there. And, you know, that way you're paying for your actual degree and not the BS that comes along with it, such as, like, your intro to... Um, whatever you know, intro to English or you know whatever the history class that you have to take the prerequisites, you know. Correct. Yep. So. And I think
1: at the end, of the, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not a perfect system, but I think the government just trying to give everybody a free education is not the route to go. There are solutions out there. They just think, they just need some thinking. And I think if you give a solution that appeals to both, letting higher institutions still conduct their business the way they do, but also providing some governmental support and supporting those that want that opportunity, rather than saying y'all get this opportunity. Um, I think you'd be in good shape.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I 100% agree with you on this, and I'm glad we were able to, you know, think about this and think this through and think about, you know, the economics, the logistics and, you know, everything about that that goes along with it. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty good. I mean, um,
1: I, I pre- you know, I appreciate, Dan, you bringing me on for that topic.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I wanted your opinion on it. You know, you're, you went to college, you work at a college. I wanted to know what the feel was there about, you know, I, I guess I should ask you, what what do your – co-workers think like is this a good idea or are they kind of on the same train as you i well they're they're on
1: the same i i i can't speak for them to be honest with you, I, I can't i can never you know I, i've learned i've learned in my lifetime you never try to speak for somebody else so i can't really speak for their opinion
0: you would make um, a horrible press secretary
1: here are i can't you know and that's okay I, i'm totally fine with that here are two things that i think and this is college as a whole so this is penn state this is everybody across the board there's two things as colleges as a whole i've seen a lot of investment in I've seen the investment in online degrees to give working individuals and non-traditional learners opportunities. And I've seen a lot of individuals finding ways to subsidize the cost of education by allowing transfer credits from branch campuses or community colleges to finish up their four-year degrees at main campuses or bigger universities. So I've seen the support and a lot of support and very good support in those two areas, which leads me to believe that colleges are putting in the effort to find non-traditional learning opportunities for those that don't want to have a ton of uh, you know, financial debt associated with, uh, with that. The other addition to that is a lot more students, we've seen this over the years, are working part-time jobs while they're in school and working internships or full-time jobs in the summer. It's been a big uptick in that. So they're taking some social responsibility. I think these Generation Zers are taking some social responsibility and realizing, you know what? I have to work, and I need to pay some of these bills. And they're learning the value of a dollar at a young age. So I'm seeing more and more students, even starting freshman year into sophomore year, working full-time in the summer, working on internships, which are great for two reasons. One, you're putting some dollars in your pocket, but Give me a student that has had four jobs in the summertime. Uh, I want that guy working for me regardless of what their grades are. Like, yes, I do want to see your grades. I want to check that. But you're already moving to the top of my life. You work four jobs, for every four summers in a row. Um, come talk to me. Like, yes, I want to check your grades. That is a big, important factor. So I'm not scrubbing that. Like, you know, you're a D-minus student who worked all the time. You're not working for me. But- sure. I'll tell you right now, your resume is going on to what top of my pile if I see that much work experience. And work experience is crucial. You talk to any recruiter, any company, the number one thing they want to see is work experience. Now, GPA is on there. Uh, school activities are on there, too. So I've seen a lot of support in those three areas, which in turn, if done correctly, which it's going very well, will start to see the cost of college uh, come down for individuals. Or we're starting to see alternative ways for them to pay that bill that is you know, a bit high.
0: I mean, that's kind of what I did. When I did my first undergrad, I did my I did a four year degree in three years because I worked my ass off to do it. And then I worked full time and then eventually part time working night shift in the ER while going to school full time. So I'd go to school from like, I don't know, eight to two, eight to three, come home, sleep for four hours and then go to work from 7 a.m. to either 3 a.m. or 7 a.m. (laughs) I do either an eight hour, or 12 hour shift and go back and take an exam the next day, 8 a.m. or whatever. And I did that for three years, not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Like my college was already paid for, so I didn't really care. You know, the government was going to pay that bill.
1: Yeah, but Dan, I think that maybe you did that because you learned some social responsibility in the military, and you learned a good character building in the military, and maybe that work ethic transferred over. And it would not have been the same, you know, philosophy you've got had you gone to college right when you were eighteen
0: at a C level poor performing student. I mean, so like my whole thing was like, I was like, my college is getting paid for, so if I go and work and you know bust my butt to go work i'm gonna have money in my pocket that i can go on a vacation like hey Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go on a cruise and that's gonna cost you know x amount of dollars i can put the money down because i have it you know so that was my whole thing is like you know i'm trying to buy a house like trying to be an adult here i have money saved up so that way i could buy a house because i worked when i didn't have to work and i think that people actually had to do something like that where you know you You want to pay for college, sure, but there should be something that you have to give up to do that. Like I said, I think I mentioned in an earlier podcast of mine, if you want to have something paid for, you need to earn it. And by just being a born, you don't earn it. Like you want to go get college tuition? Sure. Go work four years at the Red Cross or go work four years in civil service doing something. Go work for the CDC. Go work for the FBI. Go do something that's bigger than yourself to get it paid for. Can I throw one more thing out at you? That it's not
1: super popular, but I see a lot of people in the medical field doing this. They offer scholarships or work, uh, sort of payments, where you go to. Co- they will pay or subsidize your college for four years, but then you're working for that company for four years afterwards. So kind of the reverse.
0: Yep. So, so they do it all the time in the medical field, and the military for doctors. If you, they'll pay for your doctor. You can go be a doctor, but you're going to pay. That used to be a two to one. So it would be if you got a year paid for, you'd have to work two years for the government. Okay um, let, let me ask you this then why is the government not
1: going to why are they not giving tax breaks and high end tax braces and government subsidizing to businesses of all types of areas, financial businesses economic businesses medical businesses health businesses fitness businesses I'm, I'm you know i could go on and on why is the government not stepping in and saying the democratic movement in this debate saying okay We're going to give you, if you're a business and you sponsor X amount of people in college, we're going to give you this break. Now, understand that sponsorship comes with, you have to work for, let's just say, company XYZ. You know, again, it's still keeping colleges in business, but it's finding a non-traditional way to pay for education. And, oh, by the way, that person's got a job. Now, you know what? Here's the other thing, too. There's conditions. Number one, you got to maintain a certain GPA. You don't, you start paying tuition. Number two, can't get in trouble with the law. So you go get an underage downtown drinking. You're in trouble there. Number three, can't do do anything academically in honesty. Now, all of a sudden, you got a kid who has some parameters they have to fit with because they don't want to lose that job and that college tuition. That's a lot of money. And you got a company who goes, hey, you know what? You're off the hook. You got to pay that bill. I'm not doing it. And all of a sudden, it switches over. So now you got some social responsibility. You got some professional responsibility. And you're teaching somebody at a young age. You know some values there. Why is the government not stepping in and doing those kind of things more
0: often? You bring up a really valid point because the government already is in a way, but not in this particular instance. So, like the good. So, me as a veteran, if I wanted to go to school, I have to. I click that I'm a veteran, and I get moved to like the top of the list. Or if I apply for a job, I get moved to the top of the list. And for both of these scenarios, the government gives a tax break to either the university or to the place of employment. Like wherever I got hired, like I worked at the hospital, the the hospital got a tax break for hiring a veteran. So why can't we do that, like something like that for what you just mentioned? I agree. Okay, let's just, let's do this. Teachers, you want to be a teacher.
1: One of the biggest challenges school teachers have, educating America, the youth of America, is paying off their loans and paying off all the amount of money they take to do what they love to do, teach. Okay, you want to be a teacher? Fine. XYZ Middle School, we've got eight teacher scholarships. You pick eight students. They go through four years. They now have to teach at your school for 10 years. That's their job. That's their responsibility. You want that deal? We found a way for you to do it. You don't want to teach at that school. You want something else? Okay, you can find an alternative way. Or you know what, Dan? Maybe you become very successful in another field, and you have the financial means then to pay your tuition bill. You pay that off and say, hey, I appreciate that. I'm going to take on this bill. I'm going to move to another job. Nobody's hurt in this situation. Let the government start supporting that plan.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I mean, obviously, you and I aren't getting paid the bucks to think about things like that, but it'd be interesting to see what happens. uh, I guess Wednesday and Thursday with the Democratic debate and see what uh, what people bring up here and how they go about playing for these things that we're talking about.
1: You know, there's a couple. I mean, there there are some good ideas. There's some bad ideas. Um, I'll bring up. You know, I'm going to go a little side note here. Did you hear about Cory Booker's big idea that he had? It was on, uh, and I want to say it was CBS, but I can't remember
0: um cory booker's big idea not off the top of my head do i know it
1: he wants to and and in principle i like the plan he wants to give what's called a baby bond every kid born in america gets a bond that matures around the time they turn 18 so they have a financial amount of money to start with um upon 18 so we invest in this you know if a kid is born they get this bond and then upon 18 they receive that money and that gives them kind of like a reverse
0: social security
1: a bit yes a bit and I like it for a number of reasons. Um, but part of it, I like it because it helps level the economic playing field. Because you know, you you, you right, wrong, or indifferent, you have to recognize that there are people that come from different e- economical advantages. Sure. So people that are the you know people that are not in the one percenters would say, oh well, you know, the one percenters are still getting money. It's like, yes, yeah, sure, but everybody's getting money. Everybody gets this bond upon being born in the United States. You know now. Are there these side problems that could happen? Sure. You know, pe- they, I have a feeling people will try to have children that are illegal in the country because then they know they'll get this bond support because they'll be an American citizen.
0: Yes, I get that. However, I thought about that just now. And then it, you couldn't, if it doesn't mature until they're 18, it doesn't benefit the parents any. Correct. Um, so, you know, there, there's that
1: thought process. The other, you know, the other issue. So I like that idea. I'm, I'm curious how he approaches that because part of his plan is education. Here's where my concern is. It's not, it's not the plan. It's these companies that have – and I, I call them unethical companies that they know, and we'll call them loan companies, non-traditional loan companies. They know that upon 18, Dan Coleman or Mapakovich's kids are going to have money coming to them because the government promised that money. Managed by the federal treasury, it's promised them. So what are they going to do? They're going to offer them high levels amount of loans right at 18, knowing full well they have the financial means to make the payments for X amount of time at high levels of interest. So – What I would say is if you're going to do this, I don't hate the idea, but put regulations on whether or not you can borrow against that money or the government needs to come in and say, no, you can't form a business that's going to take advantage of these maturing bonds of individuals at 18 and give them opportunities, you know. I'm not saying, you know, they say, oh, well, you know, you don't have to make a bad choice. You know, the government's out there. you can say no to those companies. No, 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 no. I like my HR strategy. If there's a problem, if you can eliminate the problem, eliminate the problem rather than giving somebody a choice whether or not to make a mistake. You can eliminate the mistake. Do it. Don't give somebody a choice. So that was my big concern on that one. I'm curious how that plays into the whole educational thing, Um, but I don't hate the idea. I like it, and I think if done properly when the person turns 18, could be beneficial, especially those in lower economic
0: standing. You know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. This is the first time I'm hearing about this, because honestly, I haven't paying attention to politics much in the last two weeks. So I will be I will be watching the next uh, two days for the debate, see what happens. I'm kind of curious to see how he brings this up and what the other candidates are going to say or you know, dispel about it. So it's, uh, it's it an interesting, interesting. Uh, topic. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so last time I had you on the podcast, not to cut you off, but um, last time I had you on the podcast, you made some predictions. You know, the I call it the way too early predictions, and uh, it's not looking too good for you, Matt. Well, so... it's not
1: looking; it's looking terrible for me in the National League. The American League Yankees are doing great. I mean, I've got the Yankees going. I got them in the World Series. I've got a Yankees Boston. Boston is down a little bit, but they're they're right in the ship. They're going to be okay in Boston, so I'm good on that side. But the Phillies finally won a game, but after if you would have called me uh, yesterday, the Phillies had lost eight games in a row. Sure, are now five and a half games out of first place. Yep. It's, I still say, and I, and I think I went off on how the L.A. Dodgers are uh, garbage, and I think they're the best team in the NL. So my, as going into the All-Star break, which is relatively soon, my NL prediction, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm starting to get
0: concerned. Yeah, I just pulled up the, the statistics here. I, Braves, Cubs, and Dodgers are in the top of the NL right now um Phillies are five and a half back Brewers are only one game back Rockies are 12 games back So in the NL West wow so um yeah the Dodgers do look pretty good but their division looks terrible
1: correct that's what you know I think that's a little bit inflated from you know the division versus uh
0: you know the NL
1: East and the NL Central so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you know I'm, I'm gonna make my prediction I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a couple things first I'm gonna make my prediction I'm gonna talk about like why like what my what my deal is with the Phillies number one I still am sticking with the AL. I think it's going to come down to American League Championship Series. The Yankees will win the division. The Red Sox will get in on the wild card. The AL Championship Series will come down to Yankees-Red Sox. Yankees win and go to the World Series. So I, I'm still sticking with that. Uh-huh. The, the National League, I, I, st- I am still sticking with. I still think the Phillies go to the playoffs.
0: It's not going to be pretty. <laughs>
1: I don't, you know, I said last time, I said, I think it's the Phillies and somebody from the NL central. And I think my comment was, I don't see the Phillies going to the world series. Um, I see the Phillies getting in as the wild card. I'm going to lower my expectation a little bit. I had them in the championship. I think now I need to adjust that prediction and say, I've got them in the wild card. I've got them losing the wild card. I've got them going to the playoffs. I've got them riding the ship. I've got them because Bryce Harper will get a little bit better. Pitching should come around. Um, I've got them riding the ship, but I just don't see them getting past the wild card stage. Um, And and, and I'll give you and there's a couple of reasons why why that's that's happening. Um, Number one, Gabe Kapler, their manager, he he's driving me insane. He's driving me insane for a couple of reasons. You know, yesterday's press conference uh, was he said that you shouldn't expect a player to hustle on every single play.
0: That's okay. stupid.
1: So, so, Dan, when you, you work in the ER, do you ever go, like, walk and go, you know what? I'm going to take an 80% day.
0: Like, yeah, okay.
1: An 80%, like, like, okay, and, and you work in Philly. So, and, and people that are listening to this that know Philly know exactly where I'm going with this. There's some stuff that comes into that ER from Philly that is, you know, life-threatening on
0: a daily basis. I mean, and, multiple times a day. If I gave somebody 20% because I didn't feel like doing it, like, you just couldn't you, – you wouldn't have a job. <laughs> like, you know? And
1: he, and he says in the press conference, you can't expect somebody to give 100% on every job. Well, yes, you can. And you as a manager need to enforce that, that we give 100% on every single play. And when a person doesn't do it, you discipline them. And that's where I get to point number two, is that he's had constant examples. Gene Segura is a perfect example of this. Not hustling, not running, not getting a second on doubles, causing Andrew McCutcheon to tear his MCL because he did not hustle on a play. Causing problems, and you don't have a manager step in and say you're sitting on the bench for not doing your job. If I don't teach my class tomorrow, my boss comes down on my ass, and I may not have a job. So if he doesn't hustle tomorrow, I don't understand why he's still in the lineup. And Gabe Kapler is a manager's—you know—he's a player's friend. And I think I don't know what it is. I think part of it comes down to he when he used to play, he wasn't that good. I mean, he was a hard player, but he wasn't an all-star. So like being able to talk to players, it's like, what are you gonna do? Just you know say to them, oh, you know, you should do this. And they're like, why should I listen to you? You can't back up what you said. It doesn't matter. He's in charge. And you know what? If he doesn't, he sets the lineup. It's like, sit your ass down. So I- I'm concerned with Kapler. I'm concerned with how things are being run as a manager. Um, you can't, ex- an eight-game slide, they spent a half a billion dollars on players last year. There's no reason they should be five and a half games at a first place when they spent half a billion dollars. Billion, not billion, <laughs> billion dollars. So I'm frustrated. I, I jokingly said to my mom, you know, and you and I both know my mom is a diehard Philly fan. I love watching the Phillies as well. And I said to her, Mom, I'm switching back to the Yankees. I'm, I, I know I live in Pennsylvania. I know I've adopted all the Pennsylvania sports teams. I'm done with this. I'm going back to the Yankees. I can't deal with this team anymore. And she goes, welcome to being a Philadelphia sports fan. It's a bunch of disappointment. I am like, "I was just gonna going to say, to say that? that. Like,
0: every year, it's like, you know, for the last couple of years, it's like, oh, the Eagles are trash. And all oh, the Phillies are trash. And they're doing really good. And the whole team, the whole city is like, yeah, the Eagles are the best team ever. And then, you know, they go back being trash. And I feel like we're back in the trash can with the Phillies. Yeah. Like, so
1: I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think they make the playoffs. I'm hoping Gabe Kapler gets his shit together. I mean, I have no say in that, but he needs to. And it's, it's frustrating me that he still has not been able to discipline his players when they're not getting 110% on the field. Like, you know, when you're not trying, and, and, and okay, fine, I'll give you that a player's not trying, but you can't come out and say, you know, we can't expect somebody to do 100% every time. You know, sometimes guys are going to go 80%. Well, you know what, Dan, maybe tonight during the baseball game, during my job, I'm going to go 80%. And I'll miss a bunch of data, and I'll go down to the coach and go, hey, coach, it's fine. I only worked 80%. You can't expect me to do an 80%, 100% job every time. (laughs) Jose Leone is going to fire my ass in about five seconds. Like, that's how that's going to (laughs) go.
0: Right. So um, we just briefly mentioned the Eagles. What the heck is going on with their practices? Yeah, yeah.
1: Thanks for bringing this up. This is the last thing I wanted to mention. So there was some – all right, there's a couple things. There was. I did want to mention this because I know you have a lot of Philly listeners and stuff. Um, I did want to mention this. The Eagles are going to be practicing in the NovaCare Rehab Center. um,
0: Which is their usual spot.
1: Correct, uh, for most of the year. Uh, And they are going to be practicing at Lincoln Financial for the general public uh, on August 4th at 7 p.m. Tickets are $10 and $5, and all the proceeds are going to Autism Awareness. So every cent that's coming into that stadium – Four tickets are going to Autism Awareness, which is a great. You know, the, the one thing I love about the Eagles, um, you know, aside from the team, is they're excellent with connecting with the community. Um, the ownership of this team knows how to connect with the community and knows how to do good, charitable, organizational things. And I very much support that. They know how, they know the right charities to do. This is a perfect opportunity to allow the fans a good experience, um, but to also give back to the community. So that's part one that seemed a little confusing. Like, why are they charging just making money? It's, no, no, they are asking for a donation to go to Autism Awareness. So that's part one. The other concern that came up was, a lot of individuals said, well, why is it a ticketed event? Why don't they just open it to everybody? And I'm going to go into a little bit of my textbook, uh, you know, event planning world here. And you can't just invite everybody to come. You have to know a count going into these types of events. So the reason it's being ticketed is people have to know how many people are coming to the stadium. Like, if they just For say, staffing oh, like, and everything else, like logistics-wise? If they just come in and go, hey – Just to let you know, guys, it's open practice and 100,000 people show up. Well, there's only 46,000 changed seats in there. Like, what are you going to do? You don't want people standing out in the, you know. out Because then you're just
0: asking for, like, you know, a brawl. You know, I'm getting in. I'm going to be the first one there. Like, we have that issue at the Cowboys Stadium, not to go on to Cowboys. However, they have tickets that they'll release standing room only where you're literally fighting. I did it last for the playoff game. I went to Dallas, got a standing room only. And you have to fight to get a good seat. Correct. Because there's no seats. It's standing room only correct so if you want a good spot you got to fight your way in there and get there three hours early so you're gonna have the same issue here in philly where people are just bombarding getting trampled you know getting killed doing this right so what they do is it's a ticketed event
1: now it is general admission you can sit anywhere but everybody's guaranteed a seat. so you'll notice the lower bowl will fill in the upper deck will fill in and you know if you want a good seat you'll go early just like any other normal general admission event you know you you go to these festivals you want a good seat you go there early you go to a concert you want a good seat you go to early but that's why it's being ticketed and the last point i wanted to bring up to you is Everybody's like, well, why is there only one public practice? You know, years ago when it was training camp, you could go every day. You know, Chip Kelly had five practices. I'm not getting to that, but that was a whole debacle. I'm that man is a pain in my ass. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> so, you know, y- why is it that it's, you know, there's only one available practice? Well, if you have to look at the NFL nowadays, the reason there's only one available practice, two reasons. One, that practice is a fan showing practice. Our colleges do it with their spring game. That's not a real practice. That is for the fans to see the players, get up close with them, watch them. Interact with drills. them. Exactly. You know. It's a fan-showing practice. You can't get a lot done in a stadium of 46,000 people. You just you just can't. You can't get a lot done in the field. You can't work a lot. And if you look at the NFL, because there's all these different regulations about hitting and about you know concussion protocol, which, of course, are all good. I'm not bad-mouthing any of these things. It's just player safety has become a priority, you know making sure players are hydrated, making sure they're not practicing as many hours, making sure they're not doing two days, 20 times in a row, making sure that there's not a lot of hits and tackles in preseason trying to prevent safety and injuries injuries. So, yeah,
0: exactly. Why are you going to put somebody out in before the season even starts? You know, that's correct. the last thing they need to do is lose Carson Wentz for another ACL.
1: Oh yeah. I'm knocking on wood now. That's my, you know, I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but you know, you go into the question of, okay, so that means that there's pra- practices are limited. You just don't have as many. And if you do a lot of these open practices to the media and to the public and to the fans, it's not a real practice. You only have so many weeks to get ready for the season that you know you, you, you don't have that many opportunities to give fans and to give the public because you need to get ready. You know, Time is short. You don't have as much time as you did in years past. Um, it's just the opportunity is a little bit different. So you know, that's, it was, there was so much confusion, debate about why is this, why is that, what's kind of going on with this one. And since we're talking sports, since you have a Philly following, I just wanted to mention that. You know, like that's kind of what's going on. And I would say this, if you're in the Philly area and it's Sunday, it's August 4th, it's seven o'clock and you want to see something pretty cool. And it's, I'm hoping, I'm, fingers crossed, the weather's nice. Um, the Phillies play the Chicago White Sox, I believe, at one o'clock. Go to the Phillies, go to Citizens Bank Park, bring your car, tailgate, cook your own dinner, grill in the parking lot at four thirty, and walk over to Lincoln Financial and donate ten dollars and watch the Eagles practice. You can make an awesome Sunday out of that. Um, if you, you know a good family environment, thing, to take your kids, take them to a baseball game in the afternoon, take them to a football game in the evening. They're not going to have school the next day because it's not yet,
0: in, you know it's summer vacation. Um,
1: that's I think that's pretty cool. That would be a pretty that would be a pretty cool uh, Sunday afternoon for the family. And that is
0: something that is one thing that I really like about the city of Philadelphia is they condensed the hockey arena, the baseball stadium, and the football arena into one parking lot, and you could literally be there for an entire day if you wanted.
1: Oh, it's um, brilliant! It's brilliant. Um,
0: like, you, know you know, you in Dallas? You, I mean, Dallas kind of did it because they're in Arlington where they have the baseball and the um and the football stadium together <laughs> now. Hockey's still in downtown Dallas, but like you go to Boston. Fenway Park is nowhere near uh, TD Bank's. Or is it TD Bank? I um,
1: uh, believe it. Yes, I believe it's TD Bank now.
0: Yeah, TD Bank Center. Um, they're, they're nowhere near each other. You know, New York. You have, they're not even like the football team isn't even in the city. It's out in Jersey. Correct. So you know,
1: Detroit does a pretty good job of that too. There, you know, the, I was just in Detroit for a conference at the beginning of June, and they do that. The uh, Ford Field's right there, Comerica Park, and the Red right Road's Little Caesar. So I, I think Philly does a great job with that. It's a nice setup. You're exactly right. Easy in, easy out away from the main city, and, uh, you know, you can you can get lucky on some of those days and have, you know, a baseball game on one side and a football game on the other.
0: Sure, sure can. So very, very cool that they did that. Um, so moving on to a different subject, and this one kind of hits home for both of us, bringing back up Griswold. Um, it's coming up on, let me see what date it is, August 18th coming up, Joey Griswold Memorial Golf Tournament. Matt, you want to talk about that for a second?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, you and I both know Joe, knew Joey very well. Um, unfortunately, one of our classmates passed away uh, due to an unfortunate um, hunting Boating accident. accident. Yep. Uh, boating, hunting, accident, duck hunting. And uh, unfortunately, we lost Joey um, way too early. And uh, one of the positives that did come out of this, you know, you never – tragedy is terrible, but um, to see a positive come out of this, uh, one of Joey's best friends, Matt Whitmore, Helped start uh, the Joey Fund, and uh, the Joey Fund was a great charity organization that Matt helped start. And if you talk to Matt, one of the main reasons he started the Joey Fund was because of how much Joey helped him really turn his life around, get into the EB training program, and was instrumental in Matt Whitmore's success. And you know he'll he'll be candid with you, and he'll say, you know, Joey was you know one of the reasons why um, I am where I am today. And Matt started this fund, the Joey Fund, and uh, it ended up donating, I believe it was right around $20,000 worth of scholarships uh, to Grizzled High School graduates. That's why we're mentioning this, because Grizzled High School graduation was recently, um, about two weeks ago. And they donated about $20,000 of scholarships and awards to that. And a lot of that come from what's called the Joey Fund Golf Tournament, which happens on August 18th this year. Um, Amazing event. Uh, All the details can be found on the Joey Fund website. But uh, that'll be coming up in August, and uh, it's another I – think, I think our overarching theme, if you're kind of catching the drift here, we've talked a lot about charity and, and, and stuff today um, with the autism awareness, the button with Sunflower season. and we do want to mention the Joey Fund. One, to thank everybody who helped donate and give high school kids really great opportunities um, with this fund uh, to you know, use that to further their education, but also to thank you – know, and, and also to thank everybody who you know, helped with those donations, but also to say if, you know, if you're in the area on the 18th, if you like golf, um to please come out for the tournament if you can't make it to the tournament i'm sure they'll take any opportunity or any donation um
0: that does go to a good cause so you know, for if- those that don't play golf like you said there are other things there i think they have gift baskets and all sorts of like they might have a silent auction if i remember right from last year
1: correct and they're um, also accepting so many donations and different items and stuff like that and all the information we found on the joey fund website um literally type in the joey fund website um joey Grizzlack. and uh you know it was unfortunate we lost him um and it's it's you know, you're never gonna get over something like that. Uh, it's always, you know, gonna be known as a tragedy. But uh, what's come out of it has really benefited a lot of people. And I think Joey. I mean, Joey was a guy that helped everybody. I remember playing. I played baseball with him for five years. Uh, his dad was our head coach, and Joey was. You know, that was the guy you loved to have in your dugout every single time. Um, always made you laugh. Always was a team player. Um, I, I love being that dugout with that kid. I went to preschool with him. Uh, you know, it was a tragedy, but uh, something nice has come out of that. So that was kind of our final, uh, final little wrap up here with, uh, you know, some of the charity stuff we've been talking about today is uh, August 18th, uh, Joey Fun Golf Tournament. If you can donate, that'd be a great, a great another additional cause.
0: Um, I, I was just trying to see, I'm on the Facebook website right now. Um, I just don't know what, I think it's at River Ridge, but I could be wrong of where it's actually taking yes. place. But if you go to the Joseph Brislak Memorial Foundation facebook page everything you want to know is right there and i think you can actually donate right through that website
1: i think and you know what i think that's uh especially if you're a grizzled alumni i mean everybody knew joey everybody in grizzled knew joey we're a small town everybody knew him um and you know it, it goes to a good cause and it really helps out a lot of kids and you know it, it you hate putting a face to a name sometimes with an award especially if it's a tragedy award but knowing that um he's still doing some good uh, now that he's no longer with us is, is a nice, meaningful thing.
0: And it really shows the resilience of the community. Like, you know, you see, it, like I'm looking at it right now with people that are donating, whether it's two sister shipping, Charlene's diner, Norwich beauty salon, um, the French club, Bruit city pub, like everybody from the local businesses are getting involved <laughs> with this. Um, it's just really good to see something good happen to, um, unfortunate tragic event that took me to happen
1: <laughs> exactly and uh you know thanks for thanks for highlighting those businesses too and that's always important too we have we've got a good town you know it has its ups it has its downs but it does come together when uh, when both good stuff and bad stuff has happened
0: yep so with that being said um uh we're got what about a week away now from the fourth of july holiday barbecues coming up what are your plans for the fourth of july
1: well i'm gonna be in state college until about the third i teach my class and then um spend the 4th with uh, my aunts and uncles down in Schmoken, Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm going to go to Knoll's Museum Park, uh, see them, hang out, relax, do some grilling. And then Friday and Saturday up in uh, our hometown in Gerzel to see my mom and dad. We're going to go to the uh, famous Dodd Stadium there and uh, watch the Connecticut Tigers. And then Saturday we're grilling and going to uh, Veterans Memorial Park um, in downtown Jewett City to watch the fireworks, which uh, you know, another nice thing about our community we were all there's fireworks uh, july sixth. and yeah, then never was fireworks when we were growing up in there i said man i said i move away you guys have fireworks now um
0: yeah they've really done a good thing with the rec center they like getting sponsors and you know because you used to have to go to norwich or to london for fireworks and now you can stay right there in your backyard and watch it
1: exactly and they're doing a great job with that and they have fireworks for the evening um it's, uh, there's a carnival downtown, so we'll be checking that out Saturday night. And then uh, Sunday is going to be a rest day for me, as I'll be back in the teaching game on Monday. So uh, looking forward to that. What about yourself, Dan? What are you up to?
0: So Betsy's driving down from Griswold. Uh, I want to say, like, the th- I guess it's the 4th. Um, I have class on the 3rd. Uh, she has to work on the 4th, but she's driving on the 4th. We're going to go. We got um, every year, I guess not every year, but the past couple years, Bush Gardens has been giving away tickets for military veterans. Oh great! So we picked up two tickets. So we're going to drive down to Williamsburg, Virginia, and um, spend the night there. And then Saturday, spend the day in the park, and then drive back Sunday. Um, So we just spend the weekend in Virginia, just you know, to go because we had the free tickets to use.
1: That sounds awesome. Nice, uh, nice, uh, nice uh, Fourth of July weekend with the Beyonce. Um, Now you say now here, I'll give you a good one. Do you remember band trip when we went to Williamsburg? Um, Do you remember? What you had to buy when we went to Colonial Williamsburg. You kept going, I have to buy this.
0: Oh, it was the three-point hat. Correct. The tri-corner I hat. I had the three-point hat. I wore that all the, the whole trip, I think. And I had like this bright pink shirt. That's no, that was that was senior. Year. That was Disney. I, I um, yep, but I uh, I remember that tri-point hat. I was I looked around for that for a while, found it, bought it, and never put it down. That was that was the big I just remember that. You go, we
1: have to find a tri-corner hat. We have to find a tri-corner hat. Um, I just thought that was good, good times, those band trips, let me tell you.
0: Because I was telling Betsy, I was like, I haven't been here since high school. Like, I don't remember the park at all. I just remember it smelling like yeast is what I remember. Because it was like a rainy day that we went there. And like the the overcast made the yeast like ferment on the ground, and I don't know if you remember that smell.
1: Oh yeah, oh you could smell the brew the whole time. Oh yeah, it was it was you know it was it was right there. We went on Apollo's Chariot, Big Bad Wolf. Um, those are the two I remember. It was a pretty good, pretty cool event. Um, but yeah, I remember. Did you had the tricorner hat on the entire time we were at the park too? Uh,
0: absolutely. The only time I took it out was to go on a roller coaster. That's for sure. Correct. Correct. Um, but I wish I could. I wish I could. Uh, you know, I didn't even know what happened to that thing because it was like felt too, if I remember right. Should have put like beer on it back in the day. I think but, I think
1: if you go back down there, you and uh, you should get a second one and post a nice picture on your Facebook. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny, uh, but I'm glad you remember the rides because I was like, I don't remember any of these rides. Like I don't remember because it was like a rainy day. I think they were the rave rides were closed for the first two hours we were there.
1: They were, yeah. But we did get we did get on everything because I remember us going on. We went on a chariot and we went on big bad wolf. Um, were the two I remember, and then I can't remember anything else. But there's four roller coasters. I know we got. I know I just remember those. Those were the two.
0: Yeah, so we're going to spend the weekend down there, and then I got to be back clinical Monday morning. So we'll be driving up Sunday um, from Virginia. So it's only like five hours from here. It's not terrible. Excellent. Well, so. hey,
1: Happy Independence Day! Um, you know, as always, thank you to yourself and all the other military individuals for their service on Fourth of July as we uh, we celebrate our nation's freedom and uh, you know enjoy the time with uh, with your fiance and uh, Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Of course, Matt. While you're in Griswold, make sure you go to Charlene's Diner in Buttonwoods on the same day. And uh, tell your mom and dad I say hello, as always, and uh, I'll come crash their pool sometime.
1: Sounds good. Uh, We just got a new liner, so we should be open for business July 1st.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a plan, Matt. Thanks again for being here and uh, coming on, doing this with me, and giving me your two cents on college tuition and uh, the sports take from Philly, from a Philly's fan. Appreciate it, as always. Thanks, Dan. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining me on this week's edition of Drinks with Dan. I'm your host, Dan. Uh, we'll catch you all next time. Have a great one.